0: Act 4, Scene 5 By cinematic montage, we witness the marvel of seasons the alteration of time upon Faustus' garden in a span of several changes so that across it the magic flowers grow and die more magically. In the spring, naturally, and in the winter, supernaturally. The pace of change is rapid, yet rather than ever wearing or withering, we sense that it thrives in riotous fecundity and novelty, even in the shrouding snow. Then, upon the appropriate musical cue, we plunge through the solid wall of the house to enter Faust's study. There we see the sorcerer, seeming younger than before, seated at his desk, facing the audience. And Helen is to his right, and Alexander is to his left. Beneath the desk, in the spacious well at Faustus' feet, we see a blonde child playing with a pestle and a mortar and some scales. years pass our child now plays at Faustus feet beneath his desk as he speaks to his mother and Alexander as Faustus reaches underneath to touch his hair caress his face Alexander has come and gone in episodic intervals each time revisits his ongoing other life in the turned-over obverse of time on the other side of the round world, and at each return retold adventures he'd undertaken since previous return. In this way renewed, was attended by Faustus with earnest interest, as he attended Faustus. His time he recapitulates the conquest of the Ganges, and relates how he'd wooed philosophers in their woods, evergreen cloves around dotted meadow, where blow of saffron poppies glow, gathered dear and propitious to the Brahmins of Porus, who reveres these idealists, these pious gymnosophists, revering them to be greater than nobility. Alexander went to them because they'd not come to him, For though he was king of all the world, it counted nothing in their ledger for the wealth that they endeavored to accumulate. He posed questions, of which some have been related, about how stars move and navigate the heavens, about the afterlife, how is the river of time, where does it go, why opposites attract and don't annihilate while sameness repels communion. The answers received are found in history, answers the authors preserve for posterity, put opportunely to recite their philosophy. But Alexander told Faustus of inquiries unpublished yet, ones he'd not anticipate. He shook his head and was surprised by what they'd said, such as when he asked about the river time. How does it change, or is it the same? Are men today as they've always been? A stone's a stone, no matter broken. They answered him with riddles. When pressed, they daunted him. What is the way of water? Alexander bade, and they replied. Does it make its way? Or is its way before it made? And to the question of music, Why does harmony delight? Responded, Is silence sound? And to the nature of reason, What can a mind contain? Questions put to questions, But if they're answered by diligent pondering, They may be settled yet, this troubled mystery, like winds that calmed leave quiet ponds reflecting clear reality. So Alexander said. He was told to tell. Tell? Tell who? Tell me? Do they know of me? That I want knowledge? They told me that you ask. Faustus perceived these wiser men than he had spoken across the chasm of their death, across the plain of place and time, beyond witness. Alexander said he did not know until he came back and then remembered. For when returned to his other life, Faustus was not real to him, and he forgets. But, he said, they spoke his name, Faustus, and they wanted him specifically to give this message. What message? Faustus insisted. Just as I have said, Alexander said, you are the chosen by name. I do not know how or why. They told me this to say, they know you by name, This is very strange. Faustus' gown, drawn down by Helen's child, interrupting, whispered concerning Alexander, Is he my father? All men are your father's, dear. His mother stroked his head and told Faustus, You must go with him. The arch-reality reached out for him and obtained him as the sea absorbs the rain possessing him as he submits to it But he was anxious in his doubt that he could plunge this depth and not return cross the threshold and might never come back this was not the first occurrence in which he had been beckoned by presentment or sensed deja vu It made him feel this is not real but nonetheless invited to go called by name he could not refuse for he knew by what he'd read the last adventure alexander led would be ascent to paradise obtaining eden his own quest he must go you must know what may be true or lies in the legends of paradise but he felt this grave anxiety he felt the undeniable suspicion of himself of self-deceit deceit in his own thinking this is a fable to believe this paradise to be true he argued with himself This is a wishful thought, and if it's true, it mocks the justification of doubt. I've spent my life in disbelief, and now I'm challenging this to follow what? A ghost? A conjury of fiction? Helen touched his hand gently and repeated, You must go. How else will you ever know? The child stayed, Alexander went, taking Helen by her hand, and Faustus called Wagner in to bring Mephistopheles before him, who had been entertaining with some magic he might try, to produce real eggs, to let them like a chicken from his own behind. The child Adores Mephistopheles and hugged him, danced round him, leapt up and covered him with kisses, and begged him come and play, and tugged his hand and took him underneath the desk whereat Faustus sat. There, frowning, M let another egg, which came whole out of his ass. M winked at we, watching off stage. Then to the child made a disgusted face, said, "Who?", waved off the rotten stink, and the child giggled to see him grimace. Annoying habit that he had, acting with arrogant pretense for some supposed audience, Faustus, seeing this, had looked toward us, but seeing no one shook his head, returned to business and said, I want to know before I leave. Oh, do you go? Mugged Mephisto. Faustus sighed. Who is your master? Should I be afraid? You should always fear, in my experience, what he or it or she may think or do or not. This is another ruse. Look, I laid an egg. M. holds it out to see. The child claps delightedly. Faustus, undeterred, pursued. How do you do these tricks? Mephistopheles wraps the egg. It cracks. Out plops, like a yoke, a tiny man in academic robes. He looks like you, the happy child cried hugging Faustus' sleeve. Mephistopheles laid another one and casually replied, You do not believe in what is other than you, in what comes before or after, in what is larger and will kill. It is inside of you as well. He cracks this newest egg, and out, flowing, tumbling in billowing skirts, my mommy, so the child claps gleefully. Faustus replies seriously, is it intelligent? Does it know me? In quick succession, M cackled and expelled three more large eggs, and in one, two, three, cracked each one open and said, as much as you. A miniature Mephistopheles, an Alexander, and the homunculus of an astonished child, which stared up at the astonished larger, staring down, and both then laughed simultaneous. Now, all five toy persons in tininess went to do the things in ordinariness that they habitually did in life, the larger in miniature parody of their ways and manners. A tiny Faustus groused, little Mephistopheles goaded him, and Helen primped while the child played, and Alexander dashed in gay pretense of conquest. M looked down, musing, poking at his own little one. Intelligent, you ask? Well, perhaps more so. Faustus objected, ignoring the inferences. But does this thing, this thing supreme, if it's not mindless accident or dead destiny, does it act willfully? Is there some scheme to what's happening? A purpose? A meaning? Should I think there's something I must do to win? or keep it happy not any longer M said you can't go back you see he laughed all your eggs are cracked Faustus brooded and M stood, and Faustus, looking up at him, saw his face so fake, so pasty, yet frightened eyes, revealing, and his voice oddly changing. You are alone, yet you are not. It is true that you do not survive, but then, what are you to it? It, this, he, she, whatever name you give. For giving it a name you are deceived. Make belief in what can't be conceived. It is useless. He, this, whatever it be. You should embrace and cherish as your own. For there's nothing else else you are alone m picked up the tiny mephistopheles by the scruff of the neck who would now use conjury against this threat or perhaps not he continued and with a poof of magic m exploded in a steamy cloud and the tiny m fell landing on the desk in front of faustus and concluded his speech. So, in a voice so tiny, it's tinny to hear, it is intended, and it is an accident. It has meaning, and it has none. But if you do not mind its way, you will not live another day. Faustus swatted him like a fly. When struck by Faustus' hand, Mephisto squealed. Faustus smiled.